Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 21. And as we turn in our Bibles, let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Father, we love you today. Amen, saints. Lord, we thank you for your triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Father, more importantly, we thank you for your triumphal entry into our hearts. Lord, you have blessed us. God, you have taken up residence in us. And we thank you for that. We honor you. And even now, Lord, even early, Lord, we give our ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. Amen, saints? Why don't you lift your hands with me? And Lord, with our hands lifted up and our hearts lifted up, we bless you and ask you, Father, to speak to us. Change us by the word of God, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people agree and said. Amen. Very familiar passage we have here, one of which I have titled The Signs of Rejection. Got a pen, got a pad, take some notes. You know, I encourage you. The Signs of Rejection. Let me give you an outline of what we're going to be talking about. And I don't know how much we're going to get to, but we'll see what happens. The Signs of Rejection. Here's what we'll talk about today. The Presentation of the Messiah. Or the triumphal entry. We'll talk about that in verses 1 through 11. And then secondly in our outline this morning, we'll talk about the purifying of the temple or the temple cleansing. Again, very familiar text to all of you, I'm, I'm sure, in verses 12 through 17. So the presentation of the Messiah in verses 1 through 11, the purifying of the temple, actually that would be verses 12 through 17, And then the prophecy of the fig tree or the fig tree cursing in verses 18 through 22. The presentation of the Messiah, the the purifying of the temple and the prophecy of the fig tree. That's what we're going to talk about this morning in Matthew chapter 21. And let's see. Why don't we cover the first two, read the first two points in our outline, and we'll see if we get to the final prophecy of the fig tree. Matthew 21, beginning in verse 1, saints, if you're with me, say amen. Amen. Now when they drew near, when they drew near, and this is very, 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 very very interesting here, and you know, for years I I read this, and and I've read this story, and so have you, and and this this whole thing of drawing near, I mean, literally, we could have a Bible study just on those One, two, three, four, five words. When they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethphage, and we'll talk about that in a second, 
at the Mount of Olives. Well, then Jesus took two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. So a mommy and a baby donkey. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them. All of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, Zechariah 9, 9, write that in your Bibles. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples, they went and they did as Jesus commanded them. And then they brought the donkey and the colt and they laid their clothes on them and they set him, Jesus, on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and they spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They're actually, this is known as the Hallel song. And you'll find it in Psalm well, actually, the Hillel song covers Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. Particularly, this is Psalm 118. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all of the city was moved. That word moved is seismic. Man, there was a whole lot of shaking going on. The whole city was moved saying, who is this? So the multitude said, well, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Well, then Jesus immediately, he went into the temple of God and he drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a what saints, a house of prayer. But you have made it what saints, a den of thieves. Well, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, because he always does wonderful stuff. And the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant because that's how religious people are. And said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, I've. Have you have you never read out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants? You have perfected praise. Well, then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Well, let's just stop right there. Give me your attention. Last week, if you were with us, you know that Jesus left the area of the Galilee and he was heading toward Jerusalem. And remember, I told you beginning in chapter 20. This is the final week in the life of Jesus. So they're on the road to Jerusalem. They're leaving the area of Jericho. And remember, I told you that it's, it's like a 3,500 feet climb. So they are climbing up. This is a long journey and it's a very tense moment because Jesus knows that when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to die. This road that Jesus is on is like no other road that Jesus has ever traveled on. This road to Jerusalem is a road of humility. It's a road of 
fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies. It's a road of obedience. It's a road of destiny. And it's on this road that Jesus is heading for the crucifixion, knowing the agony, knowing he's about to die, knowing what's going to take place. Did you see the movie, The Passion of the Christ? Raise your hand. If you saw the movie, Your Passion of the Christ, that's pretty much everyone. So when I tell you that Jesus knew what was going to take place, you understand that. Say amen. You see how tense this is? Look at verse 1. And when they drew near to Jerusalem, he knows what's going to take place. And yet the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 7, it says, For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. I set my face as a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. In other words, Jesus had a steadfast determination to obey God, to go to the cross, and he didn't turn away. He set his face as hard as flint toward the city of Jerusalem, and Jesus said, I won't turn away, I won't push back, I'll absorb the insult and the injury, the shame and the pain and the beatings and the whipping and the brutality and the agony, all for me, all for you. He set his face like a flint. See, this is why it is very important that you understand, and this is why I say it all the time. They did not take his life. Say amen, saints. He laid it down willingly. He set his face like a flint. He's going to Jerusalem and he knows what's awaiting him. And why did he do that? Why? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy who for the joy, who for the joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. And what else did he do? He despised the shame. The joy? What joy? Well, the joy of providing a savior. The joy of the redeemed life. The joy of knowing that after the cross, you and I could be saved. The joy that he knew that he would be hanging there on the cross and he'd look over at the one thief and say, today you will be with me in paradise. That brought him joy. Did you know? January 23rd, 1982. That day that I gave my life to Christ. That brought him joy. The day that I decided, hey, I'm going to repent and I'm going to have a change of mind and I'm going to have a change of heart and I'm going to receive Christ. It was the joy of the suffering, the joy of what the suffering would bring. And, and notice it didn't say that he cruised through the suffering. It says he endured the suffering. He didn't enjoy the shame. He despised the shame. And he did that for you and he did that for me. I don't know about you, but that is an amazing thing to me. Because the Bible teaches, hey, we weren't seeking after God. You weren't seeking after. You see, if God had done that for you and you were seeking after him, well, that might be understandable. But you weren't seeking after God. 
know, people, oh, I hate people say that. Oh, I'm so glad you found God. Oh, that's so nice. You found God. You found God. Listen, I didn't find God. I wasn't seeking after God. God was seeking after me. So it is an amazing thing that God the Father would send God the Son to die on the cross for a Christ-rejecting sinful world. And someone once wrote it like this. They said, isn't it odd that a being like God who sees the facet still loves the clod he made out of sod? Now, isn't that odd? Amen. It is odd. It's just odd. It's odd. I mean, why would a man send his son to die for people who hate him? I wouldn't, I honestly, I love y'all. Please understand. Pastor, love you. But I'm not so sure I'm willing to give up my son to die for you. Love you, mean it. Just trying to encourage your hearts this morning. I lift you up, my brothers and sisters. But I don't think so. I'm not so sure about that. But God did. So it really is odd. And it is very odd that he knew that he was going to suffer And yet the Bible says he set his face like flint toward the cross and he's headed toward Jerusalem. Well, it's on this road to Jerusalem that Jesus came to a place called Bethphage, which is a twin city, is Bethany, which is outside of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. Now, the Mount of Olives, if you're planning to take our trip with us this this year, November 2005, we'll go to the Mount of Olives. It is a very beautiful place, and it's there standing on the Mount of Olives. It's on the east side of Jerusalem. Generally, the picture of the Dome of the Rock Mosque, the Gold Temple, that is generally taken from the Mount of Olives. Most of all the pictures you see, they take it from the Mount of Olives on the east side of Jerusalem. So at the bottom, you can see the east gate, which is the gate, by the way, that Jesus is going to come back through when he comes back. Woo. Oh, yeah. Now, it's in that gate that, that, that they have all these graves in front of it, the Muslims, because they believe that no good Jew would ever come near a dead body. And so they put these graves in front of that east gate. If you look at the picture, you'll see there are tombs and right there before it. And I'm, oh, how ridiculous is that? That's just ridiculous, as if that's going to stop Jesus from coming through that gate. Hello? It isn't. He's going to come through that gate. Well, from the Mount of Olives, on the east side, you can also, right next to the Mount of Olives, is the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means olive press. It's in this area that you're coming down the Mount of Olives, and you cross the Kidron Valley, and you head up into the Temple Mount area where you see that Dome of the Rock Mosque. So Jesus is on his way into Jerusalem, and notice he tells his disciples to go into the village to get a donkey. And he told them, if someone asks what you're doing... Then tell them that the Lord has need of the donkey. Here is another odd statement. And an amazing statement. I mean, think about this. God has need of something? That's amazing. Remember, we're talking about the one who said light be and light was. We're talking about the God who created and owns everything. 
Colossians tells us that by his word, he's holding everything together by the word of his power. We're talking about a God who who is Lord over all creation, and yet he needs something? He needs a donkey. Well, it's not the first time that the Lord needed anything. He needed a boat to preach in from the Galilee, from from the Sea of Galilee. He needed five loaves and two fish to feed the crowd. He needed to get a coin out of the fish's mouth to pay the taxes. Remember? Because he didn't have any money. Which makes me most like Jesus. I have no money. He needed to borrow a tomb from Joseph of Arimathea. Now, of course, he only needed it for the weekend. But he needed to borrow a tomb. And now he needs a donkey to ride into Jerusalem, and so he borrows that donkey. You see, the truth is, does the Lord need anything? No. Does he need anything from you and me? Well, not really. But you know what? The Lord, I see the Lord like, like we do. If you have like a small child and you're like building something and you got a three-year-old, and Daddy, can, can, can I help you build that thing? And, and you say, yeah, yeah, come on, take your hand and put it here and take your hand and do and then do this and then do that. And, and that three-year-old, boy, when it's all built and all said and done, the three-year-old, three-year-old says, you know what, I built that. Dad says, well, no, you didn't. You actually just helped me. Well, well, yeah, son, yeah, you built it. It's okay. You see, what happens is, and I think God's relationship with us is just like that. God lets us take part in what he's doing. God lets us take part. Now, we tend to take credit for it. We want to say, oh, yeah, well, I did that. The reality is you did nothing. The reality is God allows us, God blesses us, God gives us the opportunity to learn and be blessed and to help him in what he needs, what he needs to have done. So does he need anything? No. Does he choose to use us as he's doing his work on earth? Yeah. Now, why did Jesus do that? Why did he tell the disciples to go get the donkey? Notice in verse 4 in your Bibles that it might be fulfilled. Did you see that? Jesus is quoting from Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, and he is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is simply fulfilling prophecy here which is one of the strongest evidences as why the word of God is the word of God, because God speaks that which is going to happen, this prophecy probably a thousand years before it happened. Prophecy. And then Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, is also a very poignant prophecy for this text. Because Daniel chapter 9, verse 9, is the here in our text, is the fulfillment of Daniel 9. Daniel 9, verse, verse uh, 25, actually, it's not verse 9, it's Daniel 9, 25. And it says, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the Messiah, the prince, will be cut off. Now, this is a very huge, important prophecy as it relates to the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ. Very important. You see, in this prophecy, Daniel is talking about after the command is given in Nehemiah chapter 2 to rebuild and to restore Jerusalem, which is March 14th, 445 B.C., using the, now listen, using the Jewish lunar calendar 
Hit your clicker and start clicking the days from March 14th, 445 B.C. Start clicking the days and count 173,880 days, which will bring you to April 6th, 3 or 32 A.D., which is the day that we are reading about right here in Matthew chapter 21. March 14th, let me give it to you again because this is huge. March 14th, 445 B.C. Using a Jewish calendar, that's important. Start clicking. Count 173,880 days and that will bring you to April 6, 32 A.D. That is the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This day, this text, Matthew 21, is the formal presentation of Jesus being their Messiah. And over in the Gospel of Luke, it says that as Jesus was heading into Jerusalem on this day, April 6, 32 AD, he stopped and he started weeping. Why? Because he knew It was on this day Israel did not recognize him. You see, that's why it's the sins of rejection, because they did not recognize him as their Messiah. And Jesus said, you have missed your day of visitation. In other words, this is the day that I have come to you and you didn't even see it. And the reason why it breaks his heart, because they should have known it. Because they should have been reading their Bibles. And because they weren't reading their Bibles in Daniel 9.25, and they weren't clicking and watching 173,880 days, they didn't know. If they had been reading their Bibles, they would have known the day that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. God put it all in his word. Hello, read it. He didn't just show up. See, this is the thing. This is why I'm not going to finish this outline, because he did not show up. He did not show up and say, hey, everybody, I'm Jesus. I am the Messiah. And I want you all to know and follow me just because I say I am. Well, how many lunatics do that? John said there are many false Christ. I mean, so what? You claim to be Christ. I'm Christ. You're Christ. We're all Christ. We're all Christ. I mean, Christ. We are the Christ consciousness. We're all Christ. So what? So what? You claim to be Christ. So what? But when Jesus came into Jerusalem, he was who he said he was, and they should have known it. And they could have known it if they would have been following the scriptures. But they weren't. And they didn't. And that's why he wept. Over it. They missed their day of visitation. Very important. They weren't reading their Bibles. Well, notice they brought the donkey and the colt to Jesus. You know, a donkey is an animal of what? Peace. You know that. And the horse is an animal of conquering. So Jesus riding on this donkey was simply, even riding the donkey was simply telling people that, I'm I'm coming in humility. 
I'm not coming to conquer. Now understand something. When Jesus comes back for his second coming, he's coming back in judgment. And he's going to be riding a white horse, which speaks of conquering and judgment. Well, Josephus tells us, a Jewish historian, he tells us in Jerusalem about this time, there were two million people, approximately two million people in Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. That's a lot of people. Well, Jesus comes riding in. People throw their clothes on the road. And they start waving palm branches and saying, Hosanna, which means save now. But see, they didn't want Jesus to save their soul. They weren't saying, Jesus, save us from our sin. They weren't saying, Jesus, save our soul. They wanted Jesus to overthrow the Roman government politically and economically. You see, Jesus didn't come. The Bible's clear. Jesus did not come to give people freedom from politics or freedom from Roman oppression or freedom from this world system, per se. Jesus came, the Bible says, he died on Calvary's cross to give you a home in heaven. Amen, saints? That's why he came. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.